Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. In this monthly Market Insights, Phil Attreed, Head of Investment Consulting, talks to Will Hobbs, Chief Investment Officer, about the fears of stagflation and whether interest rates will rise before Christmas. To find out about starting your investing journey with Barclays, visit barclays.co.uk forward slash investments. Hello and welcome to the November episode of Monthly Market Insights. I'm Phil Attry, Barclays Head of Investment Consulting, and I'm joined once again by Will Hobbs, our Chief Investment Officer, to explore what's been going on in the world of investing. So stocks in the developed world have you know, largely been on a bit of a surge this past month with all-time highs, you know, a regular occurrence once again. Uh, not surprisingly, I guess, this move's been accompanied by plenty of speculation about stock market bubbles, even references to you know, back to the 2000 technology bubble. And of course, those invested or thinking of investing may well be left wondering where markets can go from here. So, well, any views from your side on those points? Plenty, Phil, as always. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I think the question probably comes in three parts. I mean, the first bit is really what's been going on this last month. And I think if, you know, you've just isolate that last month, the starting point was one where investors were treating stocks were a little bit sort of glass half empty, you know, stocks were being treated guilty till proven innocent, so to speak. That left a bit of scope, a low bar for incoming information to surprise positively and, and surprise positively more or less it has, you know, corporate earnings season, um, that sort of quarterly period where all the companies get, you know, tell us a little bit more about what's going on and give us a little bit more sort of visibility on what they're seeing. That's been much more positive, both in number and word than previously expected. And the other thing is the actual economic data, you know, even just more recently, the survey data, you know, there's Desert Island indicators, we call the ISM surveys, they came in quite positive. And the US employment picture, you know, generally showing that, you know, the world economy is getting back to normal and that those ideas of stagflation look a little bit less credible. So that's helped stocks in the short term rally. But I guess the next bit really is that are, you know, our stocks in aggregate, you know, was the starting point a bubble? for the last month? And are we sort of further, you know, inflating that bubble right now? And here there's a couple of answers as well. If you look at it in absolute terms, so, you know, valuation metrics comparing the current price with the current book value, aggregate book value of all those companies, uh, or the price to earnings, it looks very expensive relative to history. That can't be denied. Um, you know, you look relative to long histories and you can see this really, this period really stands out in terms of high valuations. However, if you then factor in the low level of interest rates, that valuation, you know, relative valuation metrics, you know, equity, risk, premium, so on, they look much, much, much less remarkable relative to history, actually a little bit on the low side, to be honest. So there's that bit. And then the third bit of the question is really about the sort of idea of micro bubbles. And I think underneath the surface of the stock market, there are some extreme differences between kind of what we would characterize as kind of giddy optimism and somewhat sort of too doer pessimism, offsetting it to a certain extent. So you're seeing on the very optimistic side, you know, fundamental analysts are talking about stocks like Tesla, where, you know, the underlying assumptions you would need to make in order to make, you know, reasonable uh, share prices work from this point suggest, you know, that they've basically got, to, you know, double what Amazon have done, you know, the growth story of this decade, but in half the time. So, you know, there's some fairly kind of heroic assumptions that are underpinning some of those so-called growth names. 
And that is a little bit of a concern, to be honest. But offsetting that at the aggregate level is that, you know, there's some sort of excessive pessimism in the other areas where some of the least fashionable areas of the stock market of the last decade. And I think, you know, the, the, the answer from us is, is it should be pretty familiar. You want to be very wary of allowing recent performance to sort of dictate where you invest. You know, don't just look at the winners of the last decade. The next decade could look entirely different. And certainly from a valuation perspective, we'd be very wary of backing those companies that have already done so well to the hilt or too exclusively, because I think that might lead you a little bit, a little bit uh, uh, stranded uh, for the next decade, certainly from a returns perspective. Quite. I mean, you made reference there to low interest rates, and, and they're obviously quite critical to some of those valuation calculations that you also touched on. But there's a lot of uncertainty out there at the moment, and the bond markets you know, had a bit of a wobble this last month as well. Yes. I mean, it's I mean, bonds are meant to provide the kind of antidote to the excitement provided by stock markets, and that's you know not the other way around. This last month's been a little bit the a little bit the reverse, and I think you know one way to kind of oversimplify this story of the last month, and there's always oversimplifications we need in a short, punchy podcast uh, video session, whatever this is, but it, it is a kind of standoff between or you know is a sort of battle between the world's central bankers and bond markets. On the bond investor side, you're always trying to work out what compensation you need to kind of lend to governments today over the next one year, 10 year, 30 years. Now, a part of that calculation is the risk that inflation is going to surprise you positively during that, you know, the time frame that you've lent to governments and therefore eat into your respective returns. Now, Part of that calculation is whether central bankers are going to remain on top of the prospects for inflation by raising interest rates at the right time, by the right amount, et cetera, et cetera. Now, obviously, that's guesswork from this point of view. There's so much we can't know about that. But on the other hand, central bankers are watching bond markets to see what they are saying about the prospects for inflation and interest rates. So it's a kind of hall of mirrors effect. So you can find them sort of feeding off each other. Now, because at the moment, your outlook for inflation is particularly uncertain, as we all know, you know, you've got this very high incoming inflation. You've got worries that it's going to get a stick around. That's creating an extra bit of free soil in this kind of this strange hall of mirrors type game. Now, remember, though, from the stock market's perspective, the real thing that matters, uh, sorry to use that to pun, that, that is real interest rates. Um, it's inf- inflation adjusted interest rates. So you can't just take the nominal uh, interest rate. You have to deduct the inflation rate from it. And that's what matters really for stock investors with regards to that sort of, you know, that valuation story. And here still uh, real interest rates at all ends of the curve are extremely contained, very low relative to history, lower than really, um, really ever seen. So that's not yet an impediment to stock market valuations, but that's something to watch definitely is where real interest rates go. And I think, you know, that the central bank battle is, is going to be interesting uh, in the coming months. There's no doubt about that. Quite. And I mean, something to watch in particular, obviously, Bank of England feels a little bit like we had a false start there in a sense, though, um, over the course of the last week. And I mean, given the media coverage, also actually some of the policymakers own signposting, um, do we think maybe interest rates are set to rise maybe before Christmas? Well, <laughs> yeah, you want to be wary of sort of strong views here, don't you? That was proved this time. I and mean, we did say that we thought that there was one likely before Christmas. We didn't pinpoint the November meeting, you know, so I, I think probably, but many did. Um, and not too surprisingly, to be honest, because the central bankers, like you say, had been guiding in that way. Now, 
It was considered that when it came to it, that the growth story was the thing to focus on a little bit more. And, you know, certainly you will see more information on the wind up of the furlough scheme. So that October, all important October employment report, they've really signposted it, actually, the Bank of England. You will get to see a little bit more about how the furlough scheme ended, which is really important, obviously, to the sort of outlook for growth and inflation for the for the UK economy. So far, I mean, the clues on that are okay, actually. You know, we've worried about this, as you know, you and I have talked about this a lot. This was one of the things we worried about from the start was that the job market had changed underneath the cover of the furlough scheme. And a lot of people were going to struggle, struggle to find matching jobs or the same job or jobs that match their skills. So far, the clues are okay. So maybe hopefully that word, those worries unnecessary and you're going to find everyone getting back to work nice and smoothly but we'll see and if if that does then you know i think probably that a lot will hinge on that labor market report that we'll see at the beginning of december because remember you get the labor market data with a bit of a lag what we can say is that interest rates are you know that central bankers you know around the world uk included are looking eager to start normalizing monetary policy or getting the sort of you know getting those 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 trigger fingers moving but maybe not quite as eagerly as they'd suggested only a couple of months ago. Yeah, certainly everyone's keen to to move on from the uh, COVID crisis. But focusing back on our own portfolios and funds, any particular changes that you and the investment team have been looking at with regards to our positioning? Well, so as you know, I mean, when I talked at the beginning about um, stock uh, it's investors looking at stocks a little bit glass half empty on a very tactical basis. That doesn't refer to the kind of longer term strategic valuation story or anything. It's just really just about how people are viewing incoming information. So we took advantage of that and actually the team uh, added a little bit to develop world stocks, which was which was good so far, being mm-hmm. beneficial to portfolios. The other one was that actually, again, another new story that we've just covered. The team felt that Sterling probably looked a bit uh, potentially weak or or, or uh, vulnerable to a disappoint slightly sort of t- tricky UK short-term outlook. Um, that's again played up quite nicely so far uh, with sterling weakening relative to uh, to the dollar and other developed world currencies. And the other one that um, they had uh, in, uh, put into portfolios is this EM local currency debt story, which is primarily a play on EMFX in a way. And that again, um, has so far added a little bit to performance. It's really about the idea that or, or there's several ideas underpinning that trade. But one of them, I think, that's sort of the easiest to understand for, uh, for, for me anyway, is the idea that as the shores of this pandemic recede a little bit, you're going to see that our spending switches back towards services and away from goods. And that should start to correct that enormous switch towards goods trade that we saw during the crisis. And uh, that should mean that EM export growth is uh, impeded a little bit as a result or corrects a little bit. And that tends to be quite unhelpful for EMFX over that time frame. There's other things as well to consider there. But yeah, the team have been a bit busier because actually what we've seen over the last month or two is that that consensus amongst investors has started to fracture a little bit. They're not all agreeing about one thing and where it's going. Uh, and that tends to be a little bit helpful for tactical allocation teams. It creates a little bit of little bit of debate and tends to you know create a few more opportunities to try and add value to portfolios from that sort of asset allocation, you know, the tactical asset allocation perspective. 
as you say, just hopefully uh, adding some incremental value to the longer term positioning of the portfolios. Thank you, as always, Will, for joining us and sharing your views today. Thank you also to our viewers and listeners for joining us. If you'd like to hear more, as usual, you can seek us out on our weekly podcast, Word on the Street, where we share all of our latest views on developing insights and news around the world. Otherwise, Will and I look forward to being back with you again next month. All investments can fall as well as rise in value and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation.